This is the Fantasy Nightcap, a Fantasy Nightcap production with your host, Shane. Kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Nightcap. Grab a drink, kick back, and relax. I'll be your bartender for the night, Shane, and with me tonight is the Dynasty Lead for Football Guys, co-host of the Devi Roy Al. Subscribe to their Patreon. And FWSA member, it is for whom J Bell tolls, Mr. Jeff Bell. Jeff, how are you doing tonight? Doing fantastic, Shane. You know, it's it's draft week. We are finally here for draft week. And I think that that's we're all kind of mark that in our, in our minds that we're at that point in the calendar. You know, SFB invites came out today. And yeah, they did. Bad. And so, you know, I think we are we're starting to hit checkpoints on on the return to football. And I think we all desperately need football back in our lives. And, and we're you know, it's it's one of those things that it's I was able to be outside working out out in the yard all weekend long and beautiful Uh weather. And so, you know, I, I live in Ohio, so we're up in the North. And so with that first spring weekend, when you're really able to get out and, and feel like spring's here and the draft is here, we got our SFB invites. It's, it's all those things that you love to see. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that you're up in Ohio and like, it was a nice weekend for you guys. And you're able to get, get out and be in the yard all weekend it was like 83 degrees down here in the South. And I'm just like, I just want a little bit cooler weather for just a little bit longer. (laughs) That's where it was for us too, though. It it was like mid eighties and it was one of those that it was way hotter than what you realized and are ready for. But we've had, I don't know, winter's been here for through April for some reason. And so to get an 85 degree sunny day, it was beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So Jeff, we are using your expertise as a Devi analyst and the dynasty lead for football guys to do a little pre NFL draft talk today. Um, so I've thrown some questions together for us to discuss throughout the episode. Uh, but before we do that, we have to start with the question that is always asked on the fantasy nightcap. What are you drinking? I'm going to be your DD tonight, Shane. I'm, I've got some okay. water going on, so I, I've not broken not, into anything. So You are not the first person to answer that. Usually when uh, Nick Sarnelli comes on with me, usually he's post-workout, so he's always like, yeah, I'm drinking water or a Powerade or something like that. I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> I know I, you know, I, I'm a a father of three and I'm very tired to begin with. So at this point in the night, if I were to have a nightcap, it it would really be a nightcap. (laughs) You'd be falling asleep on me mid show. That's right. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I appreciated a DD every now and again. I won't need one because, you know, we're recording from home, but I am drinking a Landshark uh, Island style lager because it's 85 degrees, 85 degrees to get today. And this is a nice, you know, cold beach, beach beer to me. So cheers. Good stuff. Cheers to you as well. So. All right, Jeff, you ready to talk some football? Always. Oh. All right. Looking at the show sheet, I just saw your first answer and it makes me so happy. Um, I kind of figured it was actually coming. Um, so we'll just. We'll just jump right in. Who's your favorite prospect and why? 
I'm going to go with Garrett Wilson. So you know my affinity for Ohio State, so we're already mm-hmm. starting there. He's a fantasy player, and so that's exciting, being involved in fantasy. I'm getting a guy from my favorite school, a guy that I've really watched for the last three years, really develop. He he came on, and he made a huge impact right away. He was on that 2019 team that – don't get me started. That got robbed of a potential national championship against uh, <laughs> playing the Clemson game by those SEC officials. Um, but you know, he he's just he's very smooth and and really what yeah. you want to see. He's a natural athlete. He's one of those guys that people question his athleticism. And and meanwhile, when you watch the film, de- defenders are getting further and further away from him. And and but he doesn't look like he's running as fast as he can. And and so I think that he's got that in his game. But it really comes down to his easy separation, his ability to win inside and outside, and really the things that you're looking for in modern fantasy wide receiver, somebody that can line up through formation and be a target hog in an offense. And so that's why I went 100%. with Garrett Wilson. So, yeah. I, I I literally have nothing to add on Garrett Wilson. Um, I abs- Like, seriously, I, I love him. Um, he's my wide receiver one. Is he yours? He is my wide receiver one. Yes. Yeah. They're very close there, but he is my wide receiver one. He's been my who do you have at two? heavy guy. I've got Drake London at two sitting right okay. there. And I've got uh, Jameson Williams at three, like very close there. Um, and then I've okay. got, yeah. And so I've got Burks at four. So um, that's kind of gotcha. where I'm sitting. So um, I, I just think that there's, it's it's hard you know i and part of me wants to have jameson williams at at two but i think that what we saw at usc out of london is ability to eat targets there i I think that's Mm -hmm. that's going to translate um but i've had uh, you know i'm a debbie guy and i'm going to stand on my ranks that i've had garrett wilson as wide receiver one in this class for over a year so i'm going to go ahead and keep him there excellent job um yeah and i i'm coming around on london i think i've got him at three I've actually got Burks at two, um, and I guess Williams at four. I don't know where I have Jameson, to be completely honest. That's my Auburn hate bias for Alabama, um, but whatever. <laughs> so um, so my favorite prospect, this probably won't shock you, is actually Kyron Williams. Um, the, the testing at the Combine and the Pro Day were not great, um, but as I talked with Herms a couple episodes ago, to me, what it really does is it just limits his ceiling. I still think the talent and what you like Kyron Williams for is there, which is going to be, I, th- I think he can be a three down back, even though he's smaller, but he's definitely going to be a receiving back. He's going to get on the field for passing downs. And his best skill to me is his pass blocking. Um, I personally think he's the best pass blocker in the ca- the class. You can tell me if you think I'm wrong. Um, that's what makes this f- the show fun. But I think he's the best pass blocker in the, the class. Also against Clemson in 2020, I've said this on three or four episodes now, if he's not on that field, Ian Book's grave is like somewhere in the middle of that field because he stonewalled that Clemson defensive line um, and had a great game overall too, but his pass blocking was just like, oh my God. And it wasn't just, you know, like little chips here or there. Like he was taking these guys on face to face and stopping them. So I it's Kyron Williams for me. Um, what are your thoughts on Williams? I will have zero percent exposure to Kyron Williams. Really? Dynasty roster. I'm just why out. not? 
um, the athletic profile was, it was something that I saw on tape. So I wasn't surprised yeah. by, uh, the combine measurements. And so it's not the case where I double counting him. It was one of those where, uh, what is the acceptable level for me to rank him and, and not yeah. get dragged over the coals until that testing came. And, and that kind of backed up what I had seen previously. Uh, I, I would push back hard on his ability to be a three down back in the NFL. I okay. just don't think he has the power in his game, the athleticism in his game to really carry that role. I think he's got um, potential to be a, a satellite back. Um, but, yeah. you know, I, part of me wonders, is he a better? He's not a better athlete than Kenny Gainwell last year. And, and Kenny Gainwell. No, um, I would agree with that. Yeah, and so Kenny Gainwell's sitting in a very limited role, and and physicality. I, I mean, he's, he's small. It's one of those that it's just, um, it, yeah. I, I think it's uh, good. I think it was one of those things that maybe if Pierre Strong was at Notre Dame and Kyron Williams was at uh, North Dakota State or they're saying or South Dakota State, um, people would be they're already kind of getting gaga over Pierre strong, but I think it would be um, full wheels up on him and Kyron yeah. Williams would be kind of an afterthought. And that's, that's a game that I always like to play in my mind um, going back. Like I did it in the, uh, like the Baker Mayfield, Josh Allen draft where, where yeah. like I told myself, you know, if Josh Allen was at Oklahoma is sitting in that Lincoln Riley system with all that, those weapons around him and everything he could do physically, he would have been the one-on-one easily in that draft class. Whereas yeah. if Baker Mayfield had been at Wyoming with what was there, he kind of would have been a fun name that we're looking for towards the end of the first round. And and so yeah. um, I like to play that game in my mind of like, if, if you were to flip situations on these players, what are you looking at here? And Kyron is a guy that he just doesn't pass it for me. I think it's one of those that um, – I think the Debbie community was very high on him being a, he was a, he was a good recruit um, and he had good production at a big school. And those are checkpoints that you're looking for when you're building out yeah. um, a Debbie squad and the Debbie community really looks for those things. And, and I think that that's probably the right way to do it. Um, but it's just, he doesn't translate in my mind. Nope. That makes sense. Sorry, Shane. Sorry to rain on your parade. You invited Man, me. Sorry. Oh, you're not the only one, so <laughs> I'll survive. Um, this is a, this is a fun question. I feel like does this class scare you to be over invested in fantasy this year? It scares me in the sense that um, while I will, I worry about being too much into one player, you, you know, like having okay. our ranks in our minds. And I think that this is probably a good class that while we make our ranks and you should stick to your ranks, it, especially in the wide receiver group, you should probably try to look for a little bit diversity um, when you go mm -hmm. through, especially at the top four. Like I, you know, if you are in position to grab wide receiver one every time, I don't know that I, that I would use that pick every single time on Traylon Burks because, yeah. then be, you know, you miss and you're just completely done. And I think that mm -hmm. that's it's hard um, following because I, I, I think that that was the play last year. Obviously, you know, you wanted to use that pick on Jamar Chase every single time. And, and that was the way yeah. to go. And, and so I think that there it, it worries me that if you are too in on your personal ranks or how you evaluate players or whatever rankings you're using and not diversifying, especially in the wide receiver group and, and trying to get a little bit of all these guys and, and minimizing your risk in that way. Uh, I, then I, I worry that you could get really burnt. 
Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, though if I've got the opportunity for the wide receiver one, I'm taking Garrett Wilson every time. Uh, and I, you know, I am too. And, and it, you know, I, I say these things, and they sound smart in my mind, and then I put them out there. But when I'm on the clock, I, I'm notorious. Like when I'm on the clock, it, it just—I don't know—the wheels start moving pretty fast. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna enjoy this comment. So, to your point, I was in a rookie draft, uh, probably a week ago, and. I came up on the clock and I had a choice. I think I had a choice between all the quarterbacks except maybe Malik. Um, and so I didn't overexpose myself to Sam Howell. I actually went Matt Corral. Okay. Ritter's so, my, doesn't Ritter's my number two. So really, uh, okay. Told me I love Ritter. Um, not, I'm not that high on him just because I love, I love Howell too. Um, and I think Malik's ceiling is, is, way too high but talk to me about why you love Ritter so much it's the physical package it's the athleticism he you know the rushing that we saw at Cincinnati it's all those things that you're looking for in fantasy I think he's going to be able to translate that rushing to the NFL whereas I don't believe Howell's rushing is going to translate to the NFL and I worry about Corral's rushing translating as well because Mm -hmm. um I think Howell, he's got the functional athleticism that he can get out of trouble, but he's not going to be a guy that can rip off a 25-yard run. And I think Ritter, yeah. that, Ritter's that type of athlete, that if he gets that runway, he can be gone. It's it's hard because um, I don't know if any of these guys any of these guys can play quarterback. <laughs> and so that that's <laughs> at the NFL level, like, are you really getting a quarterback? And so that's where I'm going to bet on the athleticism and the tools of Desmond Ritter, especially when it comes to fantasy and, and go in that direction. Um, I, they're all different types of players, but I think that if you're the type of person that is looking at stats and you see what Sam Howell did this year, and, and like, I know you watch college football and so you kind of understand what's going on, but North Carolina's offense was so much is Josh downs open. Okay. Throw him the ball, not yeah. okay, run for your life and get what you can get. And it was like, it was almost like watching old Tim Tebow run the way that Sam Howell was running. Cause he was yeah. charging into the line basically. And so I don't see that translating. And, and again, like crowds slider guy. And so I don't know if he can hold up to the hits either. Yeah. So Jeff, I, I completely agree with you about this class. Like I don't, I feel like the ceiling for the class is probably like one or two of them could probably end up being a NFL starter for 10 years, but the floor of the class a majority of these guys could be out of the league in three to five years very, very easily. Um, to your point about Howell and his rushing capability or his rushing stats this year, it was exactly what you said. Um, because he lost De- Deami Brown, Daz Newsome, Javante Williams, everyone's love child in the fantasy Twitter world, and Michael Carter to where, and I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh Downs was a freshman this year, correct? Um, I believe he was, I thought he was a sophomore, but he might've been a freshman. He might've been a sophomore, but I'm like, I'm kind of sure he was a freshman, but not hundred percent, but totally like he went from four guys that are now in the NFL sophomore, um, to one guy who's 
pretty dang good. Probably, potentially, I won't say the best, but he's definitely better than Brown and Newsom, if you ask me, to where he had one option out of instead of four, and then he increased his rushing production. So what I think it says is to me is, is exactly what you said. He can get out of trouble if he needs to scramble for six yards because he's being chased by a 300-pound Jordan Davis. Um, he'll be able to get out of that and get a few yards out of it, but it's not going to be his primary weapon like it will be. I think with Ritter, and it's a, probably a secondary weapon more for Willis, um, but Willis, is, is his athletic profile is, is still better. Um, but I just like, for me, Howell and Willis are still pretty close because I feel like with that pr- loss of production for Howell and the maintaining of the stats that he did have this year with what we've talked about, I feel like it shows that he's still got a decent upside, if you ask me. Yeah, and, and it's a little bit of um, the argument between Mac Jones last year and some of the other quarterbacks last year that even if you felt like Mac Jones was a better NFL quarterback for fantasy, I didn't see how you could not have him as your quarterback five. And so that's yeah, like totally. where, where I land with Ritter as my quarterback two in this class because of those tools. And I'm for fantasy. I'm always going to bet on the tools on a quarterback because um, I I think that when we break down our own personal evaluations, unless we're, unless a guy is going in the top 10 or the top five or the number one overall in the draft, there's major questions about, are there going to be, are they actually good at quarterback? And so, yeah, before I'm even going to get to that, I'm going to take the guy that can run and that, that guy that I know yeah. that, um, and you know, it's really a Jalen hurts argument where we know Jalen hurts mm-hmm. is not a good NFL quarterback. And I'm sorry, Eagles fans out there that to, to hear that, you don't have um, to be sorry, you, you know, but <laughs> at the same time, we know that he can produce for fantasy. And, and so, yeah. but I, and I do think that while you talk about being out of the league, I look at Jalen Hurts, and I know everybody's off of him that he's convinced he won't be the quarterback next year, but kind of reminds me of Ryan Fitzpatrick, where if if these guys have a good head on their shoulders, they're going to be on rosters, and they're going yeah. to have spurts of stepping in and, and being the quarterback, and then you're going to know that you can play him in those situations, and, and that's yeah. kind of where... Fitzpatrick was like the last generation of it before we got all the running quarterbacks in. And and you knew if Fitz was going to be on the field, he was going to give you fantasy production. But you didn't always know that a team would be willing to make him their starting quarterback. And and so, yeah, I, I look at the athleticism because that's what teams are really searching for in the quarterback position now. And so I think that if you find one, you're going to keep him on your roster for situations for as your backup quarterback, so long as he's a good guy to have in the locker room. And so long as there's 100%. a decent level of somewhat passability. And and so that's where, um, you know, we can have questions about a guy long-term being the starting quarterback, but at the same time, the floor, as long as they're on the field, you know, you're getting production. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think that honestly, that's where if we've seen, as far as I know, Ritter and Willis both excel as like with the interviews and being yeah. uh, revered as good teammates. Um, like that's a skill that they've seemed to excel at where we haven't necessarily heard bad things about the other guys, but it's like they've knocked those areas out of the park. And to your yeah. point, like that's 
for a quarterback, that's going to be one area where it's like it's an intangible and teams are going to want that on their team, even if it's a ends up being a backup. Yeah. And I, I mean, how's the guy that the knock the, the rub on him? He's, he's a quieter guy. And so he's not yeah. going to be that, that guy that's going to AC interviews the, the way he's, he's not going to be a magnetic, like a magnetic personality that you bring in into the room in an interview and say, Oh, that I love, I love that guy, but he's, he's yeah. kind of more there. And, and I've heard some more, I don't know. I haven't heard anything real, but some more troubling things about um, Carson Strong and, and Matt Corral a little bit. Um, there, there's a little bit more, um, you know, questions about are these guys going to be the guy, type of guys that you want as backups on your team or yeah. around your team long term. But, you know, you want to give everybody a fresh chance and, and you never know what, what's going on. But those are the two guys that I've heard a little bit of like, not anything, obviously I'm not a reporter or anything like that, but just some questions yeah. around their personalities. No. And being in from, and still currently living in sec country. Um, I know corral got into some trouble if I remember correctly when he was younger. Yeah. I think that is most of what that stems from. Um, but I still, I, I think there is still a little bit more that's come out um, with him in the interview process, not necessarily acing it like we heard that Ritter did. Um, and then I've heard the same things about Strong, where it's kind of like, okay, what what what's this guy really about, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, all right, I am excited for this question, because I feel like I'm testing you, but we'll see. Name a prospect for me that is currently projected outside of round one that you think should go round one and why. So I got this off. Um, there's a consensus mock draft. Hey, Fantasy Nightcap listeners. This is FF Shane B here giving you guys a quick ad for Newsly. Newsly is an audio app for iOS and Android. It picks up web articles about the most trending topics on the web at any given moment and reads them to you in a natural human voice. For the first time in the history of the internet, the entire web becomes listenable, all in one place. You can browse articles from topics you choose and start playing. Stop scrolling, start listening. You can follow any topic as specific as you like, from sports, like us, science, to Bitcoin, or even the Kardashians. It will find you the latest articles and read them to you aloud. And they have podcasts as well, which is where we come into play. So explore trending podcasts from over 50 countries. Our podcast, Fantasy Nightcap, is there too. I started using it as my default podcast app, and you should too. Download and use Newsly for free now from www.newsly.me or from the link in the description and use promo code FNCPODCAST, that's with a zero, not an O, and receive a one-month free premium subscription. Have a great day and join Newsly website and i looked at that and that's where i got my name but i had lewis seen and out of the safety out of georgia and i think he's very clearly a first round talent but i was surprised to see him on um, i wish i could give you the exact website it was but it, it looked reputable enough to that it had sourced some mocks together and they had him landing in the early second round but that's a guy he's he's uh he's a hitter and you love to see the safety position, but he can also play center field. He's so fast. He's able to close so fast. And so he's one of those safeties that you can play him both in the box and as a deep middle safety. And so while there might not be value on the safety position, 
historically in the NFL, I think you're good at starting to see some smarter teams that are putting premiums on there. And, you know, I'm a Bills fan, so I know our safety duo is a, the, some of the best in the league, but I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And so scene strikes me as a guy that I would be surprised to see him go outside of the first round because of his athleticism and because of his versatility at the position. But I saw him listed outside of the first round on this website. So, yeah, I uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you, Jeff. I had a guy in mind, wasn't sure if he actually was outside of the first round, but just found a two round mock on CBS um, and he does fall outside of there. But what I want to say about scene is that Georgia defense this year was best in the nation by far. Yeah. I mean, they had six foot six, 300 pound guys running four, eight forties. I mean, that was faster than Kyron Williams. Um, and so having this guy who you've described is extremely versatile that can play center field, but also get up in there and, and hit and stop the run. I feel like teams are going to love that. Um, so I love that call. My guy you, I think you'll appreciate this as a Big Ten wide receiver. It is Mr. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. Okay. I, 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 I love Dotson. Um, I think he's obviously smaller than Wilson, but I think he, like we talked about earlier, he's got that ability to play kind of anywhere um, because he can create separation with his route running. Um, as we've talked about also, I'm an Auburn fan. He basically won that game for Penn State um, because Clifford's their quarterback. Is that right? Yes. Or was their quarterback this year? Yeah. Um, Clifford did not do anything in that game that was special. He basically found Jahan Dotson. But Dotson like, was able to pick apart our defense in the times that it mattered. And to me, I think he's just got that kind of go-getter mentality of, give me the damn ball. I'm, I'm going to go make a play. And I love that out of, out of him. So I'm going Jahan Dotson. I think that's a good pick. And and yeah, that's a guy that he's kind of all over the board. I think he's certainly going to be gone before like pick 40. Um, but yeah. yeah, but I mean, you, you know, in the draft, like teams usually have like 15 to 20 first round players. And then you've got a mm-hmm. big subsection of almost 30 to 60 guys that could be, anywhere from pick 20 on one team's board to pick 60 on another team's board. And uh-huh, I think he, yeah. he's definitely in that group. And I agree with your assessment on him. You know, Penn state really leaned on him in that offense last year. And he is a guy that you can line up through formation. He's a great catcher of the football. And so, yeah, yeah that's a good call out. Thank you. Um, he is someone that I'm going to try and acquire in as many rookie drafts as I possibly can. So. so you have him. So we are together in this thieves league, this 20 team league. And I traded uh-huh. up and I got uh sky Moore right before Jahan Dotson went. So yep. that, would that you was still Dotson in the first there? round, wasn't it? That was still in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was one of the guys that I was hoping would fall to us at uh, the two Oh two. Um, since I co-owned with, with Nick. Um, but yeah, no, I like that pick a lot. I would take him over sky Moore. I, for me, I, I think I've actually got him five. I think I would I would say probably Williams is ahead of, or Jameson is ahead of him. I can't remember his last. It's Williams, right? Yeah. 
I always want to say it's Williamson. It, like the I know, right. I do too. That's why I'm like, I want to say his last name's Williamson. Believe me, yeah. as an Ohio State fan, like I've been watching this guy for, and like this has been in my mind. And I think it's like I don't know if it's the Zion thing or what it is. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I always want to do that, and so I get it completely. Okay. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, I've been wanting him to call him Jameson Williamson. Yes, all night long, and I'm like, that's that's not right, Shane. <laughs> so. Yeah, so I'd probably say it's it's Garrett Wilson, Burks, London, Williams, and then Dotson for me. Um, I've got him above Christian Watson and Sky Moore, who I feel like people are. I don't know. I feel like they're falling kind of into the the Twitter hype train with those two of them being smaller school prospects. They tested well, but Dotson tested well too. Um, yeah. To where. I just I I trust Dotson, especially coming out of Penn State. We've seen Penn State receivers have success, and I know you don't like you don't want to fall into the oh they played at X school they they're gonna be good or they played at X school and they're gonna be bad. So, um, but I I really like Dotson and think with his ability to I'm using your term here because I like it play through the formation he's gonna get on the field wherever he gets drafted. So I definitely think he should go in the first round. Don't think he will, but. He'll end up being very good, I think. Good call. So, all right. I, Jeff, I could kiss you for your next pick on the show sheet. Who is a prospect that is projected in round one that you think falls outside of round one and why? I'm not, I'm going to go first, actually, um, because I just want to, I just want that tease that I just threw out there to sit there and marinate for a little bit. Um, but I don't actually have an answer. So give me a second. <laughs> um, just because like, I love your answer, but I, I, I just want to tease it a little bit because I, it's a great answer. I don't understand the hype on him currently. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Okay, I don't think it's going to happen because I think his size and his athleticism are going to obviously get him in the first round. But do you think there's any chance that Traylon Burks falls out of the first round? I do think there's a chance he falls out of the first round. Okay. Um, I, yeah, that, I, that's legitimate. Um, yeah, I hear that from some places. I, I, I have a tug of war in my mind because we have seen wide receivers dominate this offseason and the storylines and the new contracts, the trades and everything. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I think you're going to see wide receivers pushed up because, you know, you've got Kansas City and Green Bay with two picks in the first round, and they've been through mm -hmm. it. They understand, you know, you've got yep. the, the, the reason why I would say no, and the thing that I can never get past when I do a mock draft is if he's sitting there at pick 23 and the Dallas Cowboys go on the clock, you got Jerry, Jerry Jones, Jones, this big wide receiver from swear. Arkansas, and he's going to, after they trade Amari Cooper, you just know mm -hmm. Jerry Jones 100%. is going trail on Burks. Like, I feel like I, I feel more confident in that than any other pick in the first round. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, as a, uh, I, you, you know the joke, as one of my three favorite teams uh, are the Cowboys. Jerry Jones is the bane of my existence as a Cowboys fan. I just like, oh, I know he's gonna do it. Like, if he if Burks is there, he's gonna take him. 
Um, so Burks is actually, I think, going to be my pick just because of some of the things I've seen. Um, his athletic profile from the testing wasn't as good as we all hoped, I feel like. And I feel like some people have dropped him down in their ranks because of that. That's fine. I still, there's still part of me that's seen it in the film that I'm like, there was something going on that day or something because like he's still athletically gifted. He's still a monster. I think he should go in the first round, but I think there's potential that he falls out. Um, maybe Jerry Jones is taking a nap when the Cowboys are on the clock. Um, okay. We've let it marinate enough. Now, who's your pick for this, this question? Kenny Pickett, you know, he's, you know, I, I don't know. I have never understood this entire draft season why he's so high, supposedly on NFL boards. Uh, I could kiss he, you. He was a guy, just a guy for like I think was it four full seasons or was it three yeah. full seasons? Um, but it's yeah, and then you know, then Jordan Addison showed up, and Jordan Addison is probably one of the five best wide receivers in college football. Kenny Addison yep. and Kenny Pickett threw the ball to Jordan Addison over and over again, and it's yep. like between Jordan Addison and that one fake slide in the AS in the uh, ACC championship game. It's like mm-hmm. th- those are like those are the two things that that clinched it. That Kenny Pickett is going to be the Carolina Panthers at six, supposedly. I don't know, and, and I think that we are looking at two different scenarios in the quarterbacks in this draft. Where if somebody gets very aggressive, if the Steelers or the Saints go up and get Malik Willis early. The Carolina Panthers strike me as the type of organization that would panic a little bit and say, well, we're going to lose the quarterback. We need to grab him at six. And and then I think that you'd probably see a little bit of a domino effect fall on it. If that doesn't happen, then I think that you could see a real slide out of Kenny Pickett because reality of it is he's a he's a very (laughs) limited, you know, he's a very limited player athletically. He's got he's yes somewhat athletic from the quarterback position, but we're not even talking about the whole storyline of his hand size or whatever else it might be. You, you might be looking at, you need him in a very specific situation, but he's just not a guy that's really going to threaten a defense with his arm that he's going to dictate no. in, in that regard. I'm so glad that you said that. Like yeah. seriously, I've never gotten it. I, I've watched the film over and over again on this guy. And I don't understand it. Like, his arm strength is not special. He doesn't make any throws to me that are like, wow, except for one. And he did it, he's done it like two or three times in the times that I've watched film. It is literally when he is rolling out to his right and he throws across his body to the left. That is the only time where I have been impressed with his arm strength and his accuracy. Which is the the last throw you you want to do? Yes, (laughs) rolling out and throwing back across your body into the middle of the field is literally the last thing you want a quarterback to do in the NFL. Hundred percent. And like he, like when he does it, it's like okay, that was a good throw. I don't want you to do it again, but that was a good throw. Well, everything else is just like okay, like it was an average throw. 
one I've seen and those highlights too, and it's like he he comes, he's rolling to the right, he throws back across his body, he basically throws it right at a DB, and Jordan Addison comes out of nowhere, grabs it from yeah. the DB, breaks a tackle, and takes it to the house, and it's like. People are like, oh, my goodness, arm talent, Kenny Pickett. And it's like, no, he threw it right at a defensive back, and Jordan Addison yes. saved the day. Thank you. That Seriously, you've made, like, you have made, uh, outside of getting into Scott Fishbowl 12, you have made my day with what you just said about Kenny Pickett, because I've never understood it. No, I haven't either. So, so. I'm glad we agree on that. All right. Let's jump into round two, which is just more more draft preview. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about running backs here, though. So, got Brees Hall, Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller. Are those are your top three in the class? Yeah, yeah. I think they okay. kind of have to be at this point. Yeah. Who do you think is the longest NFL career? You know, I, I feel like I want to answer Brees Hall for everything, Part of me in the back of my mind wonders if Isaiah Spiller's frame, his ability to work in the pass game, if we're not underrating his longevity because he's not a guy that relies on athleticism. He's he'll run you over, but at the same time, he he can you you can use him as a third down back. He kind of reminds yep. me. Um, Fournette's not the right one for it, but like the way that the 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 Bucks use Fournette, it kind of reminds yeah. me of of Spiller. Like, I don't know. It, and I want to answer Brees Hall for everything because that's just the zone that we're in. Brees Hall is the greatest running back since for Jonathan Taylor or since before then, supposedly. Dude, I, I'll be honest with you. I don't get it on him either. Um, you There are things. The thing of it is, is his shortcomings are the things that fantasy players don't realize. You know, you talk about Kyron Williams being great at, at run block or at Blitz pickup, pass blocking. Bre- yeah. pass blocking, blitz pickup. Brees Hall's terrible at it. He doesn't even try, yeah. and and so <laughs> like it's it's one of those that I, I don't know because yeah, he was way more athletic than what I expected, and I think that that was part of the the catapult that shot him up the boards. But he yeah. tested so well because watching him play, you know, I kind of see you watch the film. He, I don't know. I'm very bad at, and I kind of believe in helmet scouting because you, you have these recruiting, um, the, the recruiting agency is not the right word, but the recruiting department at the college is looking for certain players and, and filling them down the assembly line. And so, yeah, when a player looks like another player at a school, it's for a reason. It's because the recruiting department found that player in high school said he does the same things as the other guy. But I saw a lot of David Montgomery when I watched him play. And I saw Uh a lot of Josh Jacobs when I saw him play. And so what he's become and, you know, testing again was probably the leaping off point for it. And production certainly can't ignore the production profile, but just from the film watching, I saw maybe a little bit more athletic David Montgomery or Josh Jacobs Jacobs really was the one in my mind that watching them play that one kind of stuck with me. And so I see that type of player with Brees Hall. I don't see, I feel like people have put him on Jonathan Taylor as this guy that's going to break an 85 yard run. And there's not three running backs in the NFL that can break runs like that. And Brees is not one of them. And yeah, I'm not there. I actually, I, I don't know about you, but from watching the film, I know I, if I remember right, Spiller did not test well at his pro day. 
for the 40. But from watching the film, Spiller's long speed still looks better to me than Hall's. Um, yeah, he, and that like, I agree with you. I feel like people are kind of underselling Spiller because he didn't run at the combine as testing at his pro day wasn't great, but I still think, like you said, he can be used as a pass catching back. We've seen him as a three down back with production. Um, he's obviously bigger in frame than Kyron Williams. So like, I don't know. I just like, I feel like people are underselling Spiller, um, and, and overhyping, uh, Breeze to where I'm, I'm going to be having a lot of Spiller shares and trying to trade out of the one oh one if I've got it. Um, cause I just don't, I don't see it with Breeze as much as some people. No, it's, I don't see him as being this transcendent athlete that people have like put him on, but yeah. you, you know, he played in the big 12 too. And nobody wants to talk about that. He played in the big 12, whereas Spiller was in the sec West. And as somebody that is mm-hmm. a fan of an sec West team, I feel like you probably know what those things mean a little bit. Yes, 100%. You know, and, and people talk about, um, you mentioned the long speed. Yes, Spiller tested like a 4.59 and Brees was like 4.39. But yeah. again, it goes back to how how many runs like that are NFL running backs getting? You know, it's, it's really, mm-hmm. can you create chunks can you create eight yards here 12 yards here great like yeah. you're you're probably not gonna rip a 75 yarder unless you're jonathan taylor chris johnson like this very special tier of athlete yeah. and, and oh, i can I, make you cringe but i'm not going to you know you know you you like you've known you've been around me enough to know me and and you know that i, I like to have a little bit of fun when i'm on twitter but i keep throwing out the what if Isaiah Spiller is the guy that goes at the end of round one in a premium landing spot. And Brees Hall is the guy that lands in the second round in a committee. And and what's really going to happen then? Are people yeah. really going to stick to trust, trust the talent we learned from Jonathan Taylor and the, yeah. the real irony, would it be if Isaiah Spiller is that guy that does hit and yeah. Reese is like the essentially the CEH in a reverse yeah. flip would I think would yeah. be a lot of fun. But that's just I I'm with you on that. I feel like it'd be chaos because everyone's propping Brees up as the like bona fide one oh one. Yeah. Which since we talked about it, I think there's a case to be made for Garrett Wilson at one oh one. Especially in, in one QB leagues. Um, potentially in super flex leagues if you're not super desperate at quarterback. Um I've been wanting to throw that out there. So I feel like this is a great time to do it. You know, it it's really, we're kind of at the point now where um, I like to use the Schrodinger's cat analogy with these guys where they're both alive and dead. And and I think that there's so many running backs in this draft class that are kind of like that, that you can talk yourself into them having a role in a backfield. The wide receivers are kind of like that too, where, um, if Garrett Wilson lands in a, a premium spot and you know, he's going to get rookie production for if Garrett Wilson's a green Bay Packer or a Kansas oh city chief, like, Oh my God, you know, versus like Brees hall landing like with the saints or something like that, where it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that mid second round where we know we're going to lose Alvin Kamara for maybe a chunk this year, but in the future, but until then he's going to be in the committee. And so that's kind of where I wonder, and I, I think you're going to see a lot of movement out of this class. Um, there's, there's pushback to do that, but I think that once we get landing spot and draft capital, you're going to see a lot of 
movement, a lot of this like four wide receivers being in a tier, you're going to slam consensus mm-hmm. into place on these guys. And, and so some yeah. of these, and, and I don't blame you for Wilson being the one-on-one and that's kind of where I was at um, back like in January, I, I did a startup in January and I took up one, yeah. the one-on-one placeholder and I fully expected to use, I had the one-on-one and the one-on-two fully expected to use them on Garrett Wilson and Traylon Burks way back in January. We just did our draft this past week. I traded out of the one Oh one and I ended up, I I still went with Malik at the one Oh two, but I didn't love it. But my, it was one of those where I, I really wanted to trade back. And I'm telling you right now, if you're listening out there and you haven't done your rookie draft and your league is not up on these rookies and you have the one Oh one, one Oh two, trade back to like the 106 107 and hopefully grab a future 23 first in doing it but yes do those type of moves before you're on the clock and and while it's still kind of um especially here in the next week if you can do that yeah yep totally agree with that um (laughs) i was i'm just finished a startup and i went i went psycho um Ended, we just finished, and I have 26 2023 firsts and three 2023 nice. seconds. Nice. So, yeah, yeah. It, it was a fun draft. So. Yeah, and, and people talk about the 23 class, but there are probably six or seven guys that would be the, the 101 or – I don't know. The oh, easy. I think easy is so ridiculous on Brees that it kind of changes that conversation a little bit. But yeah, there are six or seven guys that would easily be the one one in this year's rookie class. And so that's what people are talking about, because I, yeah. I I feel like people throw it out in abstract because they hear somebody else talk about 23 picks. But that's contextually. And you look at last year's draft class where you would have you get through Chase Pitts, the, the quarterbacks at the top, all those guys would be one on one this year. And so twenty three is similar. Yeah. Um, okay, quick question. Do you think twenty three will be better than twenty one? I I disregarding the year that twenty one had from the quarterback standpoint, because I still think the the ceiling is there for all of them. Um do you think 23 will be better than 21 outside of the quarterback position? I, I don't think you're going to get, cause even CJ Stroud's athletic, but he doesn't run. He, he's hasn't shown that willingness. And yeah. I really have questions about Bryce young, like holding up at the NFL level and being a yeah. rusher. So I, you're not going to get there with quarterbacks like you did in, in 21. And you know, if you still believe that those guys are going to hit, which I, I tend to believe too. I think that we got spoiled a little bit um, with some of the immediate hits on rookies. Cause you know, you see Josh Allen, his rookie year looked like a mess and he pulled mm-hmm. it together. So um, I think Justin Herbert kind of spoiled people a little bit there. Um, 100%. But well, they, they I think both fields and Lawrence got screwed with their head coaches. They did. They did. And Lance like, didn't play. I think they could have landed in a worse situation. Um, for the two of them. Yeah. And Lance didn't even get on the field. So, I mean, you know, he, and he showed he was fine for fantasy when he played and it was the one chance that he got. Um, But I do think running backs are going to be deeper in 23 than what you had in 21 and, and wide receiver, uh, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigma might get there and and Keyshawn Boutte as well. Then you've got Jordan Addison. So I could see wide receiver clearing 21 as well, but you're just not going to have, um, unless 
Will Levis comes out of nowhere and becomes like the, yeah. that guy. Um, but he's like that one guy lingering or um, I think Richardson is still a sophomore at Florida. Um, but yeah, there's, there might be somebody random and we do see that out of the quarterback hey, position. Bo Nick still has a shot. You never know. No, but we, <laughs> we do see the quarterback position come out of nowhere though. Um, that is the one that it does kind of seem like you can see it quickly in production and, and the athleticism out of running back wide receiver. Those guys are going to get on the field and do stuff. Quarterback, yeah. they can catch fire. I mean, Joe Burrow coming at this point, nobody was talking about Joe Burrow. And then yeah. he has that season he puts together. So, 100%. All right. Give me one sleeper at any position that you think can have an impact at fantasy this year. I'm going to keep banging the, the drum for my guy, Abram Smith, the, the Baylor running back. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen um, Dane Brugler has him as his running back 10. And I know Matt Waldman's got hit. You know, he graded out his power as being above uh, starter level. And, and so I think that he's a guy that um, there are a lot of backfields right now that are you know, we saw Rex Burkhead be a feature back last year and Craig Reynolds like to be a feature back last year. So there are so many rookies, I think, in this year's class that can make rosters and potentially get it work into roles and committees. And I think that's really where the league wants to head is guy work backs working in committees. I think even most running backs outside of Jonathan Taylor, I think their teams would love to be in committee situations. And so that's a guy that I think he's going to be a power early down guy, goal line guy that, um, you know, all you need is an injury and and that guy's suddenly got utility. Yeah. I don't know if you would categorize. I'm going to give you two names. One, because I'm not as sure on him. Um, Still need to do a little bit of study on him. And then the other one sticking to the running back position don't know if you could technically call him a sleeper, but if he, I, I have one place that I really want him to land, and if he lands there, I'm gonna be trying to get as much of him as I can. So the the first name is Velas Velas Jones, Velas yeah. Jones, uh, wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, from what I saw from I believe the Senior Bowl and then the Combine, um, he's another guy who I think is gonna be able to create a lot of separation with his route running. And that's the type of guy that I really like in fantasy. Um, so that's a name that I'm I'm throwing out there as my sleeper. And then my not as deep sleeper is Brian Robinson. Um, if Brian Robinson lands on the Chargers, I'm going to go absolutely bonkers trying to get him. Because I think he pairs extremely well with Eckler. And then if Eckler gets banged up like he kind of has the past couple of years... I think Brian Robinson's probably decent enough in the passing game to um, not say take over that backfield, but at least fulfill the role while Eckler gets healthy. So, so I, I did this mock on football guys that I dropped last week and I went through three rounds and I put Brian Robinson with the Falcons because I don't um, hate that either. You know, you got Arthur Smith there seeing the big running back coming out of Alabama. He knows what he got yep. in Derrick Henry. And the the Falcons could really use that power element in the run game so that they stop using Cordero Patterson in that role because they had yeah. nothing else last year. Um, so I, that seemed like a fun landing spot. But I think you make a great point there with the Chargers. And I think that people are kind of not recognizing that in fantasy and especially like yeah. as people plug in for redraft talk. The Chargers have spent 
premium-ish draft picks on Joshua Kelly and Larry Roundtree the last couple of years. They're desperately searching. When did they draft Justin Jackson? Sorry to cut you Jackson off. was, I think he was, he just. Because I think he's in year three or four. No, I think he's in year five because I think his rookie okay. contract is up, was up. And I think okay. they, they brought him back, I want to say. But um, yeah, he you know, he. Ultimately, they wanted to replace him. They wanted a power. They've been looking for a power complement to Eckler. Mm -hmm. And I think that people don't recognize from what I've seen so far on Eckler that the Chargers really want to be in a committee. And they they really want an early down back that can be the goal line back to save that wear and tear on Eckler. And they they don't want to use him as as a bow cow because they're – Long term, there's got to be serious questions if he can hold up to that role. But I think mm-hmm. that that's something that, you know, in Dynasty, in redraft, the early redraft conversation, people aren't on that. And I could see them definitely grabbing one of these running backs. I, in my yeah. first mock I did way back when for Fantasy Pros, I, back in February, I had them getting CJ or getting Isaiah Spiller as the compliment. <laughs> to, um, in, that's interesting. Yeah, and I think that, um, and you know, in the mock that I just did, I had the Saints getting Kenneth Walker because I think that that's another like situation that. where um, these backs, they're going to slip a little bit, and if they're landing in that middle of the late second round, you've got teams like the Saints, teams like the Chargers that have traditionally relied on committees, and they're, yeah. you know, their feature back is getting older and and they would love to use them more in that passing down capacity because we know the value in that role. And and so yeah. I think that that's a really great landing spot and that's an underrated point that's kind of being missed in fantasy right now. Yeah. And, and that's where my brain has always has been with that pick is like, if they can get him, probably round three, maybe round four um, to pair with Eckler, like it just in my head, it's like one of those things that's like, Oh my God, that'd be perfect. Um, and like, like you said, with Kenneth Walker to the Saints, I love that because I feel like he's a similar power type back that wasn't used in the passing game at Michigan State. They don't use their running backs from what I've seen in the passing game at all, but I still think he's capable. Um, and their yeah. quarterback play was awful. So like you can't can't discount him out of the passing game yet. But Let's say Kamara's out for four to six games because of this suspension that we assume is is coming, know is coming. Kenneth Walker can hold it down, and yeah. then you can go into that committee, like you said, and, and really have what they want from a, a running back standpoint. Um, okay, quickly, do you want the Bills to draft a running back? If they stick at 25, I want them to, to draft Brees Hall. Uh, I've come around there. Um, I, I just think as an element, I think they're going to move up. I think they're going to get aggressive and move up. I think the Chiefs are going to get aggressive and move up. Right now, the Bills have more picks than can feasibly make the roster. Uh, you know, they don't have a lot of holds, a lot of needs. Um, we've yeah. seen the, the talk recently that teams at the top of the draft want to move down. And we know how aggressive the AFC has been through this offseason so that's that's my take that I think people are sleeping on that you're going to see the AFC teams the the real contenders. Mm-hmm. It's 
I, I told somebody today that it almost feels like there's a big game of chess that's been going on where the smart teams have been leaking to the media that, oh, the, the top of this draft class is so bad. You don't want these picks. Yeah. They're so bad. And then the dumb teams at the top are like, well, well, we need to move back. Like, is anybody going to move up? And and we meanwhile, the, the teams that are, are playing that trap are just waiting until Thursday night. And then these teams are going to hit the clock and be like, well, well, the other teams in the league said that these guys are bad. We have to move back for can we can we get a second round pick to move back fifteen spots, and then yeah. you're gonna have the Bills out there pouncing or the Chiefs out there pouncing and and continuing this arms race that we've seen in the AFC. Yeah, it's been a fun off season, especially in the AFC. So I would love to see even more of that on draft night. It's been wild. Um, we're. We're going to go a little out of order on the show sheet. Who's your favorite out of Damian Pierce, Jerome Ford, Brian Robinson, and Rashad White? I wanted it to be Rashad White for so long because he has the uh, the tools in the passing game, but um, I I just have major questions about him being actually playing running back at the next level because yeah. he the, the thought in my mind with Rashad White is like if you play football with little kids and they're in the backyard and they know that they're going to get grabbed, they run like diagonal backwards and like they do that move and like everybody's seen a little kid do that move. And I feel like Rashad White does that move <laughs> on the football field. And and so that's kind of where I have to take him out because I just don't think that he's going to get um, a team's really going to buy into that. And so I land on Damian Pierce and that's a guy that he was okay. kind of in the committee. He was he had poor coaching at Florida, uh, but he's yeah. got the, the physical he, he can he can be a three down back and he can work at the yeah. pass game and he's physical running back. So I go with Pierce there. I think I'm actually going to stick with Brian Robinson. Um, just seen some things that I think athletically he's being undervalued as a pass catcher. And I think if he go if he lands in a, a good spot, which he's got the potential to, um, I think he could end up being a, a real riser from this class that people aren't necessarily expecting. Um, okay, this tight end class makes me want to vomit. So we'll, we'll quickly touch on them. What kind of draft capital does a tight end have to get in this class to like raise your eyebrows, really make you be like, oh, the NFL thinks highly of this guy. Maybe he can produce in fantasy. And who? I'll throw you another question. Who do you think that tight end ends up being? Well, I feel pretty comfortable it's going to be Trey McBride that's going to be the first yeah. tight end off the board. Um, you know, I'm I'm interested in any tight end that goes day two. Uh, as long as you're you're going there first round, I don't think we're going to see anybody in the first round. I'd be shocked to see anybody in the first round. But Same. if a tight end is landing day two, um, that that's sh- showing a commitment from that team. Um, we know that tight ends take a while to develop. So expecting any rookie production out of these guys, all these guys are dart throws in reality. Yeah. Um, but it really if if McBride were to go in that group in the early second round, I think that that would be eye opening. Or if he were to land at a great landing spot, you know, with an elite quarterback, those would be the two scenarios where I'd really look okay. there. Um, I, I was on him as a potential first round pick in in tight end premium leagues, but it doesn't seem like. That was a couple months ago because it doesn't seem like the process he he really took off like kind of where we expected him to. The way that Colorado State used him as a primary receiver, you love to see that. He never really yeah. took off. Um, and and then the other guys are all 
there's some athletes and that you like to see that, but I don't know that there's anybody it's even beyond. There's certainly not Kyle Pitts. I don't know that there's Pat Fryermuth in this class. And no, well, unless the, tell me if you agree with this statement, Jeff, um, if Kyle Pitts wasn't in the class last year, I feel like Pat Fryermuth could have easily been tied in one and kind of walked away with it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. Well, people would be, if Kyle Pitts was not in last year's class, you know how people would be losing their, like there's already like the Muth crowd and whatever else for, for, for yeah. prior Muth. If Kyle Pitts wasn't hanging out there, people would be losing their minds for Pat Fryer Muth and dynasty, especially tight end yeah. premium leagues. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I really liked him, um, through the process last year. So, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't think there's a, a Pat Fryermuth in this class either. There may be like a, a Brevin Jordan, um, yeah. but that, there's not really anyone who I'm like screaming to go get um, in this class. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, if you're in a four round rookie draft, I think there are a handful of guys that um, I would not outside of like maybe a mid second on uh, McBride, I would probably just not take anybody in your rookie draft and just grab a guy after the draft. Cause I think that there are, probably, yeah. especially at this point, I think that there are probably six or seven guys that could kind of land in that day two, early day three range. And if you've got the roster spot that you want to throw a dart on one of those guys, I don't think you need to use a rookie pick on those. I would use be using my rookie picks on running backs right now. Yeah. 100% agree with that statement. Um, all right. Last question about fantasy football, then we're, we'll hop into a quick bonus round. <laughs> I hope you answer this question how I think you might. Um, which player will be the most overdrafted in fantasy this year? Are we talking about rookies or are we just talking in fantasy in general? Rookies, yeah. Rookies? Do you really want, I mean, I could go, I could say Kenny Pickett, I could say David Bell, or I could say Kyron Williams, but. Go David Bell for me. Tell me, make a case why David Bell is going to be overdrafted. I think that you have people that, especially people that that lean more into the number side are um, still really, really want to buy into David Bell. And I think that he, in my mind, he profiles really just kind of as a slot wide receiver. I feel like he's got Tyler Boyd as like kind of his ceiling and ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's kind of where I land with him. Like, I just don't see him as a guy that I know he's not going to be a guy you're using vertically down the field. And I don't see him as a physical red zone threat. And really, when I'm when I'm looking at wide receivers, I think what you see out of teams, they're looking for either a guy that's going to stretch the field or a guy that they can use a big target. They can use in the red zone or a guy that can work in the slot. And ideally for fantasy, you want somebody that can check all those boxes because the team is going to use them and all those different roles. They're going to see targets serving in those different roles. But when you've got a guy coming in, that's very limited to one of those things. Uh, that's kind of where that's a red flag in my mind that, you know, the, the, the ceiling is, doesn't seem to be there for me on his athletic profile. Um, production, you can't argue with production, but I always go back to, you know, 
if Chris Olave were at Purdue or if Garrett Wilson were at Purdue, they probably would have thrown them the ball quite a bit. And, and so that's kind of where I land on David Bell. Yeah. Um, tell me what you, f- how, how you think about this comp to me, David Bell is screaming Devonte Parker vibes. I don't, he's, he's an inch shorter according to, to Wikipedia. Um, at 6'2", Parker's at 6'3", but he's not a guy that's going to create a ton of separation with route running. He's not a guy that's going to create a ton of separation with speed, um, and that's how I feel about Devontae Parker. kind of seeming like David Bell is going to fall into the same category. He's uh, David Bell's 6'1", so there is, okay. there's two inches difference there. I just see Parker as a... Um, I don't really Bigger know that... Well, contested catch guy, red zone yeah. threat. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that I've got Bell there. And I don't really know that contested catch really exists all that much in NFL offenses now because the yeah. way that the way they scheme guys, um, they rely so much on yak. They rely so much on working guys underneath or vertical shots because you you're you have these defenses that are sitting in the cover two the two deep safety shells often to to eliminate any sort of deep threat and so they're really not going to contested catches they're going to guys uh, you know like Deontay Johnson that can work across the middle of the field catch the ball work up field and and work after the catch and that's where a lot of offenses are landing because it's basically been a cheat code for poor quarterback play because you, you're creating easy throws for your quarterback. And, and I think that handful of years ago, you used to have, you, you would want your big statuesque quarterback. That is a big arm. That's just going to jam it in there. And your contested catch wide receiver, yeah. that's going to fight the DB for the ball. And I think that we've gone away from that, but I don't know that I see David Bell as a guy that's going to work after the catch, because I think you're right there on, on um, the physical limitations. He's just not an athlete. Yeah. All right. Uh, and my guy is, is Kenny Pickett. We touched on that earlier. I think he's going to be, especially in super flex drafts. I feel like he's going to go in the first round. And he, to me, he absolutely shouldn't. He should be a second round pick in uh, super flex drafts at best. And I don't see him beating that draft capital. Um, yeah. So I'm not going to bash on that too much more. So let's jump into a quick bonus round, Jeff. Um, And this is just to get to know about you a little bit and any advice for people uh, that you feel like giving. So how long have you been in the fantasy industry? So I've played fantasy football for 20 years, and I've been been in the industry since 2020. So... um, So, you know, I've been a very experienced player. I really wanted to get in around 2015, and I Mm -hmm. knew somebody in the industry then, and I was kind of given advice that basically, like, unless you are a math whiz at DFS, the industry was way too saturated to even start doing anything. And and I kind of kicked myself of, like, I I don't know, I'm fortunate, and I've gone way further than I ever could imagine I possibly could. In, in the industry in a very short amount of time. And I'm so thankful for that. But part of me wonders, like, had I gotten started way back when, like, w- uh-huh. you know, where could you be? Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy I got in when I did. And I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in. Awesome. Yeah. And like, to your point, like starting early, like I've been playing since I was 10 years old 
and like seeing like Hutch and then uh, yeah. Calvin, um, just seeing them both be high schoolers and having their own podcast and whatnot. Like I commend both of them for going out and putting themselves out there like that. Like it's awesome. And the, the vision yeah. that they have is incredible. Yeah. So. When I started playing fantasy, like you didn't really have leagues that like, like where I was, like we we did a lot of the um like sports illustrated had the salary cap challenge and like you would be uh-huh. in the league with like four of your friends basically and yeah. you would have sixty dollars or whatever to build your team and and as values would go up like you'd create value and like my first year really doing that was kurt warner's like breakout year with the rams and so oh my goodness <laughs> yeah and so i i it was one of those and it, i still remember it to this day that like week one like i filled out my roster and i needed a cheap quarterback and i grabbed kurt warner and and so it was like i grabbed him for like the bare minimum he went on to win nfl mvp and so like Excellent. had i had him for uh, the bottom salary but it was one of those where like he would start at $5, but he, his value might go up to 12 And if you ever dropped him, you'd have to buy him back at $12, but you could create that value uh, okay. in your roster. Um, but so like, I didn't start, like it, it was really my second or third year doing fantasy that I got into leagues that we know now, like 12 team yeah. leagues where yeah. everybody has one guy, but that was how I, and it was almost like a precursor to DFS, like before, like it was really DFS, but, um, that was, that was how I got started. But that was again, like aging me that, that Kurt Warner's like rookie season was my first year really playing fantasy football. Yeah. That's really cool though. Um, and kind of a a cool concept to think about of how like it is the, the precursor to DFS. So I love that. Yeah. Um, Best piece of advice for someone trying to make it into the injury industry, whether it's full time or just doing it as a hobby, what's your best piece of advice? I think that there's a lot of good advice and that you you're gonna have to be a hard worker. You're gonna have to be resilient. You're gonna have to be able to hear no and keep going. But um be you uniquely yourself. And and by that I mean uh, you can only be you and and while you might see something that somebody else is doing and you might be able to take elements of that like don't try to be that person because you only you can be your voice but you need to yeah. be creative in it you need to stretch your limits and and go outside your bounds and figure out and and the way like i am always my mind is always pushing like what what can i add to that That, that's cool that somebody's doing that but how can i push it up in the level or like how can i do or how can i do something that's never been done before and just always ask yourself those questions um but be yourself be your own voice um but you know you're, you're gonna have to fit in into and the other thing that i think that people need to realize is I think that people, they, they want like any full-time job and, and I understand that, but like you networking is so important, but the way you have to like have targeting networking and, and you have to yeah. um, know the voice of where you want to work and be able to tell your content to fit those things. It's like footballguys.com. If you're somebody that's swearing on a podcast, that's not going to work for footballguys.com. And, and that's just. <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm trying to stop swearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like that, that's the bottom line of like the, there's just none, but it's uh, knowing the company that you want to work for enough to be able to work within their structure before you're working within their structure. Network 
target network with the people that are there and then yeah. you know to get on their radar so that when they ask the question who would be a good fit well have content that you can be able to supply that is familiar with to them and and i think that that's something that really gets lost in in general in the space when people are trying to look for full-time jobs or trying to get involved with companies you have to make your essentially make yourself an employee of the company before let as even become and and yeah. And so that the company knows that they can trust you and to be a good steward of their brand, to be trustworthy, to, to share their message. And that's really what people are looking for. No, hundred percent. That's great advice. Um, yeah, I don't have anything to that. I love that. Thanks Shane. Uh, what is a fun fact about you, Jeff? So I've been to the World Series, I've been to the NBA Finals, and I've been to 12 Major League ballparks. So I'll say nice. that sports-wise, that, that's probably the most fun fact of all. Are you a Guardian, Guardians slash Indians fan? I am a Tigers fan. So I grew up in Northwest Ohio. So I grew up okay. in Toledo area and I grew up okay. in the, uh, basically the Ohio Michigan strip. There was a, there's like a 10 mile radius, like South of the Michigan border. And there was a war that was fought over this. And, and so it goes back. And, and so I grew up in that area. And so I am, okay. um, I am a, and, and basically really where it came from, like my dad was like a, a sports fan in the terms of like, my dad really liked golf and my dad really liked racing. And, and like, yeah. there's like, those are things of like, that are not exactly building team allegiances. Like he, he was a golf. Yeah. He loved Jack Nicholas. My grandfather on one side was a huge Detroit Tigers fan. And he would listen okay. to every single Detroit Tigers game on the radio or had him on TV. Anytime you go over there, they were on my grandfather. The other, other side was not a big pro fan at all. He loved Ohio state and he was like, okay. you know, he had my uncle went to Ohio state. And so there was pipelines to like either side. And that's, where the influences came in and so i'm people think it's so people that grew up in the area get it completely and people that didn't like don't understand no it makes total sense to me um it's why i'm a cubs fan actually it is the one sport where my grandfathers agreed yeah my mom's dad and my dad's dad are are and were both cubs fans so i've been to the world series and the cubs went to the world series no kidding yeah, I went to Wrigley Field of the World Series. My brother-in-law worked for the Cubs, and so I was at Game Five of the World Series. So, I've bro, got yeah. So, like, yeah, this is Chicago Cubs oh, World awesome. Series tickets. I was at NLCS Game Six when they beat Kershaw to, yep. to go to uh, the World Series. So I was at that game. So, dude, that is so cool. Yeah, it was wild. It was crazy to be. It was in yeah. Wrigley when they they clinched to go to the World Series, and then that was the uh-huh. World Series game they won in Wrigley too. So, the yep. Cubs are my National League team. They are my, um, you know, I I didn't come to it by birth, but I came to it like as an adult. But I absolutely yeah. love the Cubs, and and so that run in 2016, I was buckled in for every minute of it. Like I, I lost my mind when they won the world series. So yeah, 
My my brother in law got a ring. Texted my grandfather after one o'clock in the morning. It was yeah. when they won Game Seven. Yeah, so, you know, <laughs> when they won Game Seven, it was like I I had kids that were asleep, and so I did the silent scream, like run through the house, yep. and they they closed it out. Uh, but my my brother in law actually has a ring from the World. Oh, Series, that's so. so cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, oh, I had another follow up question for you. No, I don't remember what it was. All right, well, Jeff, this was a pleasure. I had a ton of fun, especially with the uh, the trash talking of Kenny Pickett. Um, so before we wrap up, where can people find you? And is there anything else that you would like to plug? Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at For Whom J Bell Tolls. And you can find my, I've got written and video content with footballguys.com. If you go on the website right now, you can find the mock draft that I released the end of last week going through the first three rounds. And so there was a, a lot of work that went into that one. And, and I'm pretty proud of that. And you can find me on Tuesday nights at 930 on the Debbie Royale. You can join our Patreon. We give you great heavy guides and we are available for any questions you might have. Our show's at 930, but you can find us on all the major podcasting networks or whatever else it might be, the Debbie Royale. And then at 7 o'clock, coming off the edge on Tuesday nights, I hang out with my friends. Yeah. We just have some fun there. And um, it, it is what it is. You know, it's we, we talk football. We talk life. We, we just have fun there. So those are the main places you can find me. Awesome. Yeah, I am a Debbie Royale Patreon subscriber, so I uh, – give my stamp of approval Thank and the nightcap stamp of approval. Um, Kevin, Jeff and Christian are all super knowledgeable and phenomenal guys. Um, even if Christian rubs you guys the wrong way, he's a great guy. Um, but su- like, and subscribe on their YouTube page, follow them on, on their Patreon and, and subscribe to that. The discord chat is awesome. Like we've had some discussions in there. So um, this is my plug for it because I'd like to support my friends and I really enjoyed what I've gotten from being a Patreon member. So there you go. Um, this is the fantasy nightcap. You guys can follow me on Twitter at FF Shane B. You can follow the show account at fantasy nightcap currently until the end of the week. There is a contest being run to win a signed Plexico Burris Jersey. Go to my pin tweet, follow the directions, send me screenshots and you're in. Um, may run a draft special. Haven't figured that out yet. And then don't forget to sign up for Polly's playoff, which is the tournament to end Alzheimer's. That will eventually go back to being the pinned tweet on my account. But if you have any questions about getting signed up, just let me know. Um, and this is Fantasy Nightcap. We serve you advice. Straight. Mm-hmm.